podcast Three Siblings. Um, one of the siblings, uh, brother Thomas Dempsey. And I'm the other sibling, Elizabeth Connor. Hey. Hey. And I'm, I think I'm still feeling the app, the lingering effects of a really bad cold I got last week. Uh, I don't know. You've you we've all been sort of dealing with yeah, stuff as of late. As yeah, you were n- you were not the only one. Um, yeah, I not not quite not quite COVID, but worse than does like maybe a a normal cold. Yeah, yeah, I would say but, yeah uh, for sure. And it's it's definitely something that's been going around, but I feel like I'm coming off the other side of it now. It's just. Just feel it like comes and goes. Right. Yeah, we we've we got through all that and got some more reading done for this week, I presume. Yep. Yep. And we'll be talking about more of that in a little while, but before then we like to limber up with a little bit of freeform discussion about what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. So how's your week's been? Uh Well, let's see here. So, this past week, I've been sick. Um, It was worse earlier in the week, and then... But I don't know. Like, I was just pretty much exhausted. Like, even when I started to feel better. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I've talked multiple times about how my job is on a modified year-round schedule. So, we actually had this past week off, and I had been so looking forward to it. Um, I had, I was like, I'm going to take this week to like clean my house and that way, like my house is clean and I can power through these last 12 weeks of school. And yeah, none of that happened. Now, is this your spring break or do you still get one of those? No, I still get a spring break. Um, uh, our spring break is still around Easter time. Um, this is just like an additional break. We got a winter break last year, but instead of it being a full week, it was like, three days ah uh, yeah well i'm uh sorry you had to deal with the illness um eh, you know i'm i'm better or i'm still getting better and it, it'll be back to work tomorrow yeah so. oh yeah All and right. uh and then the week before that was a super busy week because it was like valentine's day kids are all jacked up on sugar at school we had a really yeah. big event for one of my schools, like in the evening. Um, and that was like very, like it was a good event, but it was just very, it was very new. It was something the school had never done before. So it was like equal parts exciting and stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I uh, hope your, I hope your, your first week back goes well. I hope so too. Yeah. I've been um, keeping busy with various things. Finished up the next unit on my writing workshop course that I've been taking. Mm-hmm. It's uh, sort of a return to form. I took it's uh, sort of a analogous to screenwriting. Yeah. And that that was like a whole unit thing that I studied back in college. So it was able to draw upon some actual like work experience that I had. Yeah, I remember your, uh, I don't know, it was like a thing that like your 
creative writing yeah. class did. Yeah. For my creative writing final, I did a screenplay, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. And um, speaking of movies, uh, I've we've been watching some more around here recently. I uh, got Mom and Dad turned on to the John Wick series. Oh. Have you seen any of them? No. Oh, they're they're a lot of fun. They're I mean they're pretty violent. Uh, obviously, if you don't know, John Wick is about Keanu Reeves playing a professional assassin who is retired and is grieving the loss of his wife when he gets uh, attacked by some young gangsters who are like the sons of uh, John Wick's old boss. Yeah. And how now he's out for revenge and. Having gotten revenge, he's sort of gotten himself back into the life of this these secret underground assassin societies that are all around the world. So, the next movie, the fourth film in the franchise, is supposed to come out late next month. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to revisit the first three. Yeah. And uh, get up to speed, and yeah, and we really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, the Oscars are in a couple of weeks, so I've got a, I've got plans to catch up on all like the Best Picture nominees as well. Mm-hmm. I think that some of them do like limited screenings that people can catch up on at theaters if they like, but also most of these are probably streaming one place or another. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll get on that in a little while. Yeah, you've been watching anything? We've been watching a lot of the first forty-eight. The first forty-eight. Oh, that's that show about the the kidnappings, right? No, well, it um, it's about it. It's a a film crew. It's kind of like Live PD and Dateline mm-hmm. at the same time. So these film crews like follow these different police or homicide departments, um, and they document. Or they record, like, the happenings and, like, the police workings that occur within the first 48 hours after a uh, after homicide arrives on scene of a murder. Um, and they also keep you updated, like, you know, as developments happen in the case, in case it's not okay. resolved within 48 hours. Okay. So, it's, you know, mm. it's a pretty good show. Um, we also, we started Mind Hunter. The other night. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. I thought you already watched that. No, surprisingly. We've seen the first two episodes, I think. Okay, yeah. I think I've watched those as well. Yeah, I like it so far. I'm, uh, I'd am be interested in following up on it. Been doing a fair amount of reading. I, That's uh, good. <laughs> I'm ready to talk books if you are. Okay, yeah. Apart from the book for this week's reading challenge, I read three books. So did I. All right. I'll, I'll start off. Okay. I'll start with the the least interesting, or the least interested I am to talk about a book. Okay. Which is a sh- short story collection uh, called You Will Never Be Forgotten. Uh, it's, co- it's by Mary South, and my understanding is that it's a collection of, like, previously published stories mm-hmm. but uh which i know a lot of if not most short story collections are like but uh i don't know anyway and it's just about what you'd expect from a short story collection there's some high concept stuff there's some 
fairly more grounded human tales. Uh, the um, the stories that stick out most in my mind are a couple of late ones. One that is like a history of a sort of like the fan backlash to a celebrity from an old sci-fi TV show. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a, a salient take on uh, like fandom discourse and toxicity and stuff like that. And the one right after that, which is probably my favorite in the collection, is uh, this just this like 10, 15 page little story about a man who was in, wor- worked as a realtor with his uh, wife and how they would like make up ghost stories about all the houses they were uh, selling. Mm-hmm. And then after his wife passes away, he starts getting text messages from her. Oh. So it's like an actual ghost story. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but that one's actually very, like, bittersweet. And, uh, there, and there are a couple of other stories in the collection that I thought were, like, good. But on the whole, I don't know. It just, I would say that the much of the book is possessive of a pessimism that does not feel earned. Okay. I would, because uh, I, I can get like sort of having a, a grim uh, perspective of things, mm-hmm. but especially with uh, a, a narrative story, it seems to take a lot of dourness in when you're sort of like down on humanity. Uh, it just sort of takes a lot of that for granted in ways that don't really feel like true to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it feels like a like a parody of pessimism, I guess, but okay. like in a way that doesn't read well. Okay. So yeah, that's just that was a book I I, I was able to read through it well enough, and most most books if I can succeed in getting through it even if i don't especially like it that's still like a three out of five in my book Mm -hmm. so because like the one and two star range is reserved for books that i just cannot bring myself to finish yeah i i may soften on it with time but ultimately the 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 book on the whole just wasn't really for me okay yeah i'll uh, pass the ball back over to you if you want okay I think it's really interesting that, like, you, if you couldn't finish a book, you might still give it two stars. Because, like, for me, I would give a book two stars if, like, I had to, like, if I finished it, but it was a chore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I have to, and then, uh, and then I would give one star to a book that I was like, nah, like, I just can't. And it's not because, well, like, I didn't finish, not, I didn't finish this book not because I didn't. It can't be one of those, like, I like this book, I just didn't finish it. It has to be a, I couldn't finish this book because it was awful for X, Y, and Z reasons. Yeah. You know? Um, so, I also read three books, but two of them were part of a duology. Okay. So, I'll kind of just talk about those two together. Um, yeah. So, the, the two books that I read that were part of a duology were... Dowry's Meadow and then Dowry's Punishment by okay. C.C. Gonzalez. Yeah. And at its heart, 
I would say these books are equal parts romance and like mystery. Sure. Um, so the premise of both of the books or, you know, that kind of is an overarching thing of both books and is important to know is, uh, Alexandra Dowry, who was the daughter of, um, a very, like a very wealthy merchant. She witnessed the assault, rape, and murder of her mother. Uh Uh-huh. And then her father comes in, discovers his wife has been brutalized and, and killed and, you know, finds Alexandra. Well, so that he can pass on everything to Alexandra, like the, like his business, all of his properties, all of his wealth. Um, he pays off the right people and makes uh-huh. it, it makes it out. Like Alexandra also died when her mother died. Yeah. And therefore Alexandra becomes Alexander Dowry the third. Okay. And so she is from the age of like, I would say eight from the age of eight years old going forward. She is living her life as a man. Uh huh. Um, and so she gets to, so anyway, Alexandra gets to be 26 and, uh, it's becoming suspicious that this young bachelor, that this eligible bachelor, um, is not married yet because this is all taking place in like kind of Regency England, but it's never explicitly stated that it's Regency England. It's just kind of implied. So, um, so anyway, Alexandra, upon talking to the priest of the church, finds out that there was a, that there's a woman whose father has died. He had no male heirs. And so she and her mother have been left penniless and so anyway, she, she goes to her assistant and is like, well, I'm going to marry her and we're just going to see, you know, we're going to like play this off. And, uh, okay. so anyway, sight unseen, Alexandra marries this woman named Eleanor. Right. And the two of them end up falling in love with each other. But Eleanor thinks that Alexandra is a man, is Alexander. Yeah. And Alexandra is conflicted upon how she is going to reveal to Eleanor that she is married to a woman. Okay. Um, and then there's like a whole mystery like plot that goes along with that too. So anyway, those two books together, like they're like, I, like the, the story is very, very compelling. And yeah. the relationship between Alexandra and Eleanor is very very sweet um okay my only gripe about the book well it's not even really a gripe because i I didn't really know how to feel about it because the book is told from a third person narrator's perspective yeah so alexandra's pronouns are consistently she her Uh uh-huh even if eleanor even if eleanor is like the one who's kind of describing it, but it's like, so yeah. that would be kind of confusing. Cause I would be like, wait, Ellen, this is like Eleanor's kind of perspective. 
why is she referring to Alexandra as A, Alexandra, and B, is she and her when she doesn't know that Alexandra is a woman? And then I had to kind of remind myself, oh, no, wait, this is still being told from third person, like a third person narrator. So anyway, that part did get a little confusing, but it was something that, but the story was so good that I could overlook that. Right. So anyway, so that was Dowry's Meadow and Dowry's Punishment by C.C. Gonzalez. Okay. Well, uh, the next book I can talk about is a fantasy novel. It's the first in a long-running series of Witcher books by uh, Andrzej Sapkowski. Mm-hmm. And you probably know, you've heard about The Witcher, at least, from, like, the Netflix series. Oh, yeah. I think I own, yeah. like, the first book. I don't know. I think I own the first yeah. book. Oh, well, that's the, is it The Last Wish? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the one I read. Okay. And I bought it a while back at a bookstore wanted to give the series a shot because i'd heard some good things about it and i quite enjoyed this book it uh it's interesting i'm not technically sure like publication wise where it ranks in the series chronology because according to the like the numbers on them it is the first in the series Uh uh-huh but it very much has the feel of like a prequel that was written after the fact and so it includes characters and plot elements that you might need to be that you might be introduced to in later entries okay but i'm not i'm not sure about that uh it's worth looking up and also an interesting thing about this one is that it feels less like a cohesive novel as it does a uh collection of short stories with like an overarching framing device Mm mm-hmm so at the start of the book, Geralt of Rivi- of Rivera, or uh, the Witcher character, is uh, like going to this kingdom where there's like a cursed princess that he has to rescue because like once a month she turns into this monster that kills people, and so he has to find a way to break her curse. Oh. And then, as he's like recuperating from that mission in like this monastery. Uh, that is run by some friends of his. Uh, it, you're just go, sort of going around uh, his history of various like events and places he's been and things that have sort of shaped his path in life. And, and t- just to be clear, uh, the concept of the Witcher franchise is that this character Geralt, who is a Witcher, which is to say a magical warrior who has been trained and bred from a young age to fight monsters in like a a medieval like slavic sort of environment Uh uh-huh so there's like it's he's basically like every story he's trying to fight some creature or finds himself at odds with somebody who is like prejudiced against him or his things it's that's another thing from this book alone you don't really get a good sense of where the overarching French uh, series is headed. Mm-hmm. You just you're just sort of getting a sense of like episode episodic monster of the week kind of storytelling. Okay. And I'm not sure <laughs> how much of that carries over into the other books. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. Anyway, so the another sort of high concept thing that involves all the stories in this in this novel 
is that they are all sort of like cracked funhouse mirror versions of classic fairy tales. Okay. So you've got, yeah, so you've got the, you've got one, the first book, which is sort of a take on Sleeping Beauty. So it's like a a princess trapped in a tower. And rather than being asleep, she's got like this coffin that she lays in uh, that she'll then like climb out of in her monstrous form. And he's got to like keep her out of it until daybreak or something like that. And then the story after that is like a take on Beauty and the Beast where a man has been cursed to appear like a monster. And like there's a um, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves analog only instead of dwarves it's like a band of bandits and the titular snow white is like seeking revenge on the people who ousted her from her kingdom yeah it's some of the premises hang together better than others okay but the writing in general is pretty good and there's always like fun like character writing and stuff so yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed it, and I'd um, be down for checking out future entries. I understand there's like maybe a dozen plus of these books at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that be that was the last witch, uh, the last wish, in the Witcher series. Okay. Um. So my third book that I read was called Hoofbeats, a monster romance. Um, and it was uh, Jove Chambers written as Val St. Crow. So Val St. Crow is her pseudonym. Um, okay. okay, I here's the thing. This is probably one of the better written romance stories that I've read in a long time. Yeah. But it's about a woman and a centaur. Okay. Alrighty. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the book is about uh, Phoebe Llewellyn, who is the daughter mm-hmm. of an earl, and like I mean, her her parents are dead, but Phoebe is considered to be a, a ruined woman within high society England. Okay. Um. There was, she was caught in a compromising position with a servant, with a male servant from the house next door, and therefore she is a ruined woman in the eyes of Upper Crest England. So, she, like, doesn't go to anything, she's not invited to anything, no one associates with her, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, uh, well, there is a home, there is a very large home that is being built like in like the kind of the trendy neighborhood of London, and uh, everybody's and everybody knows it's a merchant of some kind, and they know his name is Mister Granville, but they don't know anything else about him. Well, that's when they find out Mister Granville is a centaur, and um, uh-huh. he he seek he is seeking to ingratiate himself into high society London, even though he's not human. Okay. And, uh, so anyway, he, to, I guess, like, present himself to the Tawn, uh, he holds a ball at his home, and everyone comes, including Phoebe and her brother, who, her brother is now the Earl of Crisbane. Um, 
And Enoch, which is Mr. Granville, Enoch sees Phoebe, and apparently there is this phenomenon that happens where there are certain women who kind of trigger this, like, obsession in centaurs. Right. And basically, like, make them lose their mind. And so whatever it is that makes, whatever it is that women have that makes centaurs do that, Phoebe has it. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, Enoch proceeds to court Phoebe, and after a very short courtship, they get engaged. After a very short engagement, they get married. And then the rest of the book is basically about their life as a married couple for probably the first two or three years. Okay. And it kind of explores, like, the intricacies of, like, the centaur curse, because... Nobody is born a centaur. You were created a centaur. Okay. Um, and like I said, this is probably the best written romance book I have read in a really long time. It's really good. Yes. Okay. I was wait. I guess I was waiting for a but. No, there's no but. It's just really good. Well, I guess the okay. There's there might be like one but. There are some like grammatical errors. There there's right, sure. there are some like grammatical hangups. Because I did read this off of Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. But grammatical errors aside, it's extremely well written. And I really, really enjoyed it. I'm happy to hear that. And the last book I have to talk about is uh, another one from a author I'm, I've been really getting into lately, Clarice the Spectre. Uh, as you know, I think in the last episode I talked about two of her books that I had read. Mm-hmm. They were both very short. This one is also relatively short, but longer than those other two. This one was about 150 pages. Mm-hmm. And it's called An Apprenticeship or The Book of Pleasures. And it's basically a, a kind of transcendental romance novel. Mm-hmm. Where the main character is Lori, and she's like the lone daughter of this wealthy family from Europe somewhere and after the family fortune is almost squandered she sort of takes her share of the inheritance and moves to uh, Argentina or wherever mm-hmm. and uh, there she's like living on her own she gets a job as a school teacher and and she has like she, as time goes on she takes on various lovers and relationships that don't really go anywhere until she meets this uh, college professor named Ulysses, who, like, they start going out and, um, like, spending time with each other. And the the crux of the book is basically that uh, Ulysses is a virgin, and he doesn't want to have an intimate relationship with Lori, basically, until she, uh, there, there's a big concern in the book with the idea of self-actualization mm-hmm. like the the understanding of who you are as a person outside of relations with other people so the book is like uh, it's so weird to talk about because in some ways you would almost call it a coming of age story but these are both adults and the nature of the coming of age is sort of uh, is it's almost like an eat pray love kind of thing mm-hmm. those kinds of books where people will go someplace when they're feeling like aimless or adrift or they'll do something out of step with their like routine 
and in this case basically all it is is uh, Lori sort of grappling with issues of like depression seemingly mm-hmm. although it never really uses it in um, terms that explicit yeah and just sort of like kind of just getting to a point in her life where she feels like worthy of loving someone and of being loved Mm -hmm. and with a book like this especially where there's a romantic male lead who's like sort of in a classical sense kind of domineering as far as like the nature of the relationship goes it would be very easy for that to fall into like some fairly regressive sort of parameters Mm -hmm. but i think and there's an afterword from uh one of the translators i want to say that goes into a bit more illuminating detail about this i feel like the book does a decent job of not letting uh ulysses off the hook as just like a uh whatever the male equivalent of a manic pixie dream girl would be (laughs) yeah you're familiar with the trope. Yeah, I so, am. So, uh, yeah, so, like, he's sort of shown to have, like, flaws and, like, hang-ups that don't necessarily make him as attractive, I guess, in object terms, as opposed to, like, how Lori tends to view him and tends to build him up in her mind at various points. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's a very interesting book. Obviously, it's a fairly brisk read, but uh, I, I just love the, like, Clarice Lispector's way with words mm-hmm. and like the interiority that she pours into all her characters. Okay. So yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this one and uh, I'm not sure that I'd uh, it, that I'd say it's my favorite of her books that I've read so far but it's like certainly a, like a worthy like addition to that like lineage. Yeah. So. Yeah, so the, yeah, it was a good read. Good. And th- that's everything up to the reading challenge. So uh, you want to take a quick break and then we'll get into that? Yeah, sounds good. Hello and welcome back to Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. Um, so before the break, we talked about things we have not been reading, things we have been reading, and now we're going to get into um, the book that I assigned for this week's challenge about a month ago um thomas why don't you tell our listeners what it is all right well the the this week's reading challenge was lab girl by hope jared it is a autobiography of author hope who is a plant scientist and it is the story of her growing up in the midwest and sort of like an isolated Slavic, uh, Scandinavian family. Yeah. And how she like went to school and took a uh, took a loving of sci- like science and study, and the various paths her career has taken in that respect. Yep. And about the people she meets along the way, um, most particularly, she writes extensively about her lab partner named bill yep it is bill right it is bill yes okay yes so bill is this guy that she meets fairly early on like into her 
like doctoral research. Yeah. And uh, he, Bill, I think, isn't like an accredited scientist when they first meet, and I don't think he ever gets anything official beyond just a bachelor's. But as uh, the book goes on, and as Hope is recounting the story of her life, Bill kind of becomes her like eternal companion yeah. in her career as a scientist. He's she like brings him along with her as her lab assistant when she moves from California to Atlanta. Yeah. And then from Atlanta to uh, Boston, and then from Boston to Hawaii. And then they go on trips to Europe together and explore various environments and do research. And the whole thing sort of has the makings of a romance story, but the interesting thing about it is that the the relationship that these two have is very like explicitly platonic. Yeah. In a way that I think can even feel confusing to certain people. Yeah. But uh yeah, and it's in addition to all that, you just get hopes, ruminations on nature and uh like the scientific realities about plants that she learns and uh, helps to add to as she does her research and then you'll get these like fun little anecdotes and stories about trips she's taken experiments she's conducted like uh, struggles she's overcome she has a couple chapters that go into detail about her history with mental illness and uh, and there's like a very moving chapter about the birth of her son that uh, goes through all the things she had to deal with uh, in dealing with that and uh, it's just a very lovely book mm-hmm. uh, I think it it ends in a very good place although um, Hope is always very clear-eyed about the nature of her work and the uh, challenges that go with it and the, like the uncertainty that lay ahead in the future because I think this book was published at the very least it was it, 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 she finished it in like 2016 it was published in 2016 yeah it was published in 2016 so there's obviously a, like a lot of stuff on the horizon that the is outside of the scope of the book and that sort of lends it almost a kind of wisp, uh, a wistfulness mm-hmm. but yeah, but it, it ultimately ends on a, I think, an, a fairly inspiring note. So, uh, yeah, I, I really love this book. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, uh, did you? When did you finish it? Uh, today. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah, I um, I was able to get. I knocked it out. I think uh, a week ago, mm-hmm. thereabouts. But then I also started reading it like. Uh, pretty much the weekend you assigned it yeah so i was able to get a get a jump on like the early chapters as well and it's one of those books where some chapters are like 30 pages and then some of them are like five Mm -hmm. depending on like how you're pacing yourself out you can knock out like really good chunks in a single sitting yeah um but then that's also a quality of nonfiction that i've found uh, just like something about the matter of fact nature of what you're reading 
makes it much more consumable Mm -hmm. than like say a fictional story where you don't know you have no idea of what's going to happen next yeah the the way that she structured her writing or the way that she i guess like the chapter structure that you were talking about yeah like i read a lot or i wouldn't say a lot i read a fair amount of like research during my graduate program that was structured that way yeah um and obviously like it it's different because this is biographical and or it's this is biographical with like sprinklings of research whereas what i was reading was research with sprinklings of like anecdotes the way that the book was structured like really Honestly, it really put me back in that place of like being in grad school and reading this stuff and enjoying what I was reading. And I was just, I don't know, like it just kind of made me go, man, maybe I should go back. Oh, did you enjoy the research portions of it? I did. I mean, I didn't understand a lot of it because like I'm not a scientist. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I enjoyed like the way it was written. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the the book definitely gives you a respect for the profession so uh what uh what chapter sticks out in your mind most honestly the one that's the one that is well there's actually two there's two that are sticking out in my mind uh the first one is when she talks about her tree i mean it happens like oh, yes. at the, like in the very like very begin. it might even be the first chapter first or second chapter for all i know Uh, It happens at the very beginning where she talks about like her tree and how it was like always there when she was a kid. And then, you know, she was on the phone and her parents were like, oh, by the way, this happened to the tree and we had to like cut it down and grind up the root. Um, Right. And I guess maybe the reason why that sticks out is because like that was an experience. I mean, and she even said like that is a universal experience for a child to have is like to is for every every child has or a lot of children have like my tree and i feel like and i I feel like that well for one thing i was like oh yeah that's actually a childhood experience i can relate to because i did have a tree or i guess more clearly we did have a tree which was that tree in grandma's front yard um that we would whenever we would go over there after school uh we would like that was the tree that we could go climb right Um, so when she started talking about her tree, like that was immediately, that was immediately what I was thinking about was, um, and it made me think of the tree in grandma's yard. And then the other one was the first or the, the, the soil field trip that like she and Bill led when she was teaching in Georgia. Where like, they go to Florida. Yeah. The one where they go to like monkey jungle. Yeah. Um, and Bill has that has that moment where he's like looking at a monkey and he's like it's like staring at a mirror. Oh uh, yeah. And she talks about like just how hard she laughed and I like I don't I don't know. I just that was just one of many many examples, but it just it just baffled or it was just so relatable because I'm like that is a memory that she that is a type of memory, I guess, that like everybody can pull out and remember like I went on this trip and this person said this thing or like this thing happened and I remember how hard I laughed. For me, it's like a lot of the like obs- like s- struggles she recounts, like that trip out to K- 
California where they ran into the snowstorm mm -hmm. and their car flipped over and just having to deal with the fallout of all that. Yeah. It's very much like a, a tale of crisis that in hindsight seems like more and less uh, severe than it was and just by virtue of the way they sort of like matter-of-factly deal with it mm -hmm. in the moment i feel like anytime you think back to like a traumatic event or some uh sort of scariness that you've had just arise up out of nowhere that's sort of a perspective that you have on your past and the things you've gone through is that that was with the university's van right yes okay yeah, that was a fairly sizable chapter there. Yeah. Because it was like, uh, I think near the end, or if not near the end, then going on into their, uh, the time they spent at Atlanta, I think it was towards the end of that, mm -hmm. that uh, before they went up to John Hopkins. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I guess the, the course of events takes place from the mid to late 90s when she's got her PhD and is just starting out as a teacher mm -hmm. and through to uh, the early 2000, the 2010s when she's like fully in academia. She's got her own labs that she's setting up and research that she's getting grants for. Mm -hmm. And obviously like you try and place yourself and you, th you think back to where in time you were at these various points because mm -hmm. i know like uh through the 2000s we were still in high school and then going to college and what have you so yeah you can definitely like think of uh relate to it in those terms as well mm -hmm. so I, i'm i'm grateful that you i i know you gave me the option between this and another one but i'm grateful that we this is the book we went with yeah i just really liked it i think this is one of my favorite books I've read so far this year. Well, I'm so glad. And I, because, you know, I gave you a choice when I assigned this between this and like a losing my religion type biography, and which I had already read that one. Um, oh, and okay. I was just, I was going to reread it for this challenge. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm also glad that you picked that, well, I guess that this is the one that we ended up going with because I much preferred this one to the other one that I had thrown out there. Well, I'm glad it worked out then. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So, uh, do you have anything else you want to touch on? Uh... I don't think so. Okay. Once again, that was uh, Lab Girl by Hope Jaron. We both got the words totals from that, so if you want to talk about uh, rating totals this week. Yeah. So since okay. our So, since our last episode... I've read four books for a total of 264,686 words, which brings my year-to-date total up to 1,145,332 words, which puts me at 11.4% of my 2021 word count. And I have read four books since last time. Uh, I don't keep track of, like, what the... Uh, total word totals of those are I'll try and do better about that next time but uh, my present word total is 1,201,408 which puts me puts me about um, 175,000 words ahead of where I was last year mm -hmm. 
and about 27% of the way towards my reading total for 2021. I'm catching up on you, though. You are, yeah. It's uh, definitely staying anybody's game at this point. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I know is early days on isn't that unusual, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. But uh, now it's time for uh, the signing of the bingo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week I was going to put An Apprenticeship by Clarice Lispector down for romance. I know it's an unconventional romance, but uh, everything I've seen written about it does sort of put it under that designation, so I thought I'd go with it. All right, so is it An Apprenticeship or The Book of Pleasures? Yes. Okay. All righty, and that's going under romance. Which um, category are you going for this week? And I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do biography with Lab Girl. Lab Girl. Sounds good. Are you keeping track of like what books I'm putting down for these? I am. So what I'm do. so what I do is I've got this little like cut and paste app on my phone. Um, and I keep your bingo card like in a, in its own little folder. Uh. And, uh. So whenever you give me, so then whenever you give me a book, I go into Amazon, I take a picture of the book cover, and then I put the book cover over, like, that slot on the bingo card. Oh, that's clever. I'll have to try that. Are you doing that for me, or are you just keeping up I'm just with... marking down which categories you're completing. I'm not noting, like, the book in question. Oh, okay. But I feel like the last couple of times they've been books that were part of reading challenges. Uh, so like, uh, so like for sci-fi, you used uh, Sleeping. Yeah, Giants. Sleeping Giants. Uh, for romance, um, I, I forget which book you used for that one. It was. Well, at any rate, for horror, you used uh, um, The Cabin at the End of the World. Yeah. And for a biography, you used Lap Girl. Yeah, hold on, let me go back. So for romance, I used Monster Match by Isabel Jordan for romance. Okay. Uh, yeah, and those other ones. And then those other ones, so. Okay. Am I close to a bingo yet? I used slap. Say what? I said, am I close to a bingo yet? Well, that's that's four books, so. Oh, yeah. Currently, so with uh, next week's episode, we'll start getting into the territory of potentially potential bingos yeah so that that's that's when this podcast will really start picking up steam but uh, speaking of next time uh, or the future uh that me it's now time to talk about an, our next reading challenge yes i have gone like i get the book so book riot you know to like make money they they release like a daily email of like the book riot deals uh, like daily deals and yeah. it's basically just like books on Amazon that are, or eBooks on Amazon that are, you know, marked down considerably for the day, um, or until like whatever cutoff is reached. So I've been, you know, going into my emails and like buying up a whole bunch of eBooks for one for like two, three, and four dollars. Um, and so one, and and they're really good books. So one of the books that I have purchased and the one that we're going to do uh, it can actually can go under two different bingo slots for us. It can okay. either go under science fiction or it can go under short stories. 
Okay. And well, I've already got the short story one. Well, you can read it for science fiction. Okay. Um, if you choose, I don't know. So it is, it is called "How Long Till Black Future Month" by N.K. Okay. Jemison. N.K. Jemison, yeah, uh, she's the author of the. It's the book that it's this trilogy that begins with the fifth season. Yes. Yeah, and that's a really good book. So this is a science fiction short story collection by her. All right. Well, that'll be good. I look forward to yeah. it. Yeah. And okay. uh, what what book is it that you assign for next time that we'll be discussing? Uh, our next book uh, for that we'll be reading and uh, discussing in a couple weeks is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that all sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Well, that's the end of another episode. As always, we'd like to thank you for listening and uh, let you know where you can get into contact with us. So you can find us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can send us questions, recommendations, or comments to yourwordspodcast at email at gmail. Sorry, at gmail.com. Well, I'm uh, I'm going to take a nap after this. Okay. Yeah, because I've had a busy day. Yeah. But uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day and hope the your week back at school goes good. I'm probably going to be very tired, but I'm sure it'll be I'm sure it'll be fine. All right. Hey, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure it'll be fine. Goodbye. Goodbye.